Hello, Fried fans, and welcome to Season 4 of Fried, the Burnout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Donovan, and my mission with Fried is to hashtag end burnout culture. On this pod, we end burnout culture by sharing stories of people who have been through it all, sharing expert tips from the best in the burnout field, sharing hashtag straight from Kate episodes with my own expertise and some fun research now that I'm a student again, plus sharing actionable steps to help you end burnout starting today. If you're feeling burnt out right now and you need personalized guidance, you can book a free breakthrough burnout call with me. You'll find the link bit.ly backslash call Kate in the show notes. Also, if you love fried and want to be part of our community, we'd love to have you. Just head over to Facebook and type in fried the burnout podcast discussion and click to join our group. It's a place for continued healing, deeper conversations and connections with people who just get it. And now for this week's episode. Hello, Fried fans. We have a very, very special, special, special interview for you today that a lot of you have been waiting for because I have been hinting around about the fact that Fried is getting a bonus coach, a new coach for you because I cannot be available to everybody all the time and because this person has a very special talent that I do not have. So today we're talking to Sarah Vosen, who is a formerly burnt out acupuncturist and current burnout coach with me here at Fried. Sarah brings her heart and soul into everything that she does. She is both a highly sensitive person and an empath, and she's passionate about teaching other HSPs how to use their gifts and not burn out. And I know that a lot of you have talked about being HSP, being a highly sensitive person, and being an empath in the past. So we're going to dig into that today, and we are going to start it with Sarah's burnout story. Sarah, I'm so glad you're Hello. here. I am so glad to be here. I've been waiting for this day since the moment that you started inter- interviewing people on Friday. This so. is so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Oh man. So I, I've been contemplating for the past week or so, like, what is my burnout story and how could I possibly share it succinctly? Because it's felt so big and in depth and like, I've learned so much and I've transformed through the process, but you know, I guess that's in with hindsight. Right. So I, I really honestly feel like my burnout story starts at birth. And I didn't want to say that initially because it felt dramatic, Mm. but, but with hindsight, I can see how, um, you know, like my health from the time I was a baby was showing that things were like, I was having a hard time processing and, you know, I've learned with reflection that like I have an anxious attachment style and that has certainly been a filter that has influenced my life and every single decision I've ever made. So I know that (laughs) I've been dealing with the sense birth and I bet you a lot of us have, if not all of us, right? So it's not special in that way. Um, It didn't, I didn't start to feel possibly burnt out until about well it might have even been 10 years ago or so yeah. I I would recognize that I was 
you know, going through my day at the time I was co-creating workshops with my friend, Sarah, we were teaching, um, Chinese medicine and acro yoga and time massage. And I was also seeing a lot of acupuncture patients. And I lived in LA at the time. And I can remember finishing up my day and I felt like I was okay. And then the second my patient would leave, I would feel like I couldn't move. And it was always remarkable to me because I was like, I was just fine. Mm -hmm. And then like, it was like the energy and the air would fall out of the room when my last like responsibility was done. And I'd have to like clean up my clinic and like get home. And I would, I was just done, but I didn't think too much of it. I was like, yeah, I'm probably just doing a little too much. Um, and then I moved, I broke, I had a breakup that was huge. The relationship I was in was certainly a part of this burnout. Um, it was really hard on me. And then I moved back to Minnesota where I'm from and I had established quite a, like a decent practice for myself in LA. And I didn't think it would be so hard to start over, but I started over. I connected with my current partner who is a longtime friend and he was diagnosed with cancer and I kind of became his caretaker. And even though he didn't stop working, I felt like I couldn't work because I was holding the space for him. And it was around that time. I also got into a, a car accident. And so I was receiving treatment, chiropractic, acupuncture, and some massage, I believe at the time. And I started noticing that they weren't working. I couldn't relax. I would talk to my chiropractor. I'd be like, cause she also, she did it. I was receiving acupuncture from my chiropractor and also from an acupuncturist. And either way, I didn't feel like I could relax. Like if you've had acupuncture, which obviously Katie, you have, but to the listeners, a lot of times people report feeling like high, right? Yeah. You get floaty, you feel amazing, you're relaxed. It's like you couldn't care about a thing because you feel so good when you leave. Yeah, needle drunk. Needle drunk. Yeah, you <laughs> you were just talking about this. Um, yeah, and I was like, these treatments aren't working. I was like, something's wrong. I can't relax. And so my body also couldn't heal. I realized it was like, you know, I wasn't getting ahead. My treatments weren't helping me. And so that was noticeable. And then I was kind of in a groove for a while. I started working for someone else's practice and that was fun. And then we got, and Andy, my partner got an offer to move to Colorado. And both of us had always wanted to move back to Colorado. We had lived here before, like 20 years prior. So I was like, feeling nervous about starting over again, but he felt confident that like, it's where we're meant to be and let's do it. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll try. And it's, it's been challenging since, but you know, ball rolling here, ball rolling there. I ended up, um, working out of my home. So I started seeing patients out of my home and I was credentialed with the VA. So I was seeing a lot of veterans and this became remarkable because I didn't feel like I could hold space for them. Like I could hold space for people in the past. They were much more um, sick physically than a lot of the patients I had dealt with in the past, but also emotionally, right? A lot of PTSD, a lot of 
I mean, almost sometimes current trauma, but then PTSD and they were attempting to get help, some of them from the VA and not receiving it. Some people were getting great help and they were feeling better. And I just was like, I can't hold space for these people in the way that I want to. It was like, I used to be able to leave everything at the door and kind of ground and center myself and walk in and like set the tone for the treatment. And I couldn't do that anymore. I would get, it was like their nervous system was controlling my nervous system in the room. And it was really disorienting. I mean, it was literally dysregulating is what I know. I didn't know the terms for it then, but I was just like, okay, this, this is not working. This is not working for me. And you know, the treatments were still working for them to a degree because acupuncture is amazing (laughs) and it wasn't all up to me. So that was great. But I also felt like the magic was gone. Like a lot of times I'd feel like there was just this zone that I would get in with patients that felt magical at times. And like, you know, I know that sounds kind of whatever sounds woo, woo, but it's true. Some treatments were magical, some weren't, but there was no magic. And I was exhausted. I would between patients, like my body would be hurting so much. I'd have to just lay on the floor, just lay flat on the floor before I could like manage to get up and do anything. And especially at the end of the day, it's like the last, again, like the last patient would leave and I would just be like, Oh, and I was at my home at this point, but it was like, it was just hard. I was like, I can't keep doing this. So I kept, and this happened over the years, I would try to change my schedule. I would try to do things a little differently to try to make it easier on myself. And at this time I was doing, wearing all the hats. I was doing all the admin. I was, you know, I was the front desk person. I was the insurance biller. You know, I was the office cleaner. I was the everything. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I kept going because I didn't see a way off the hamster wheel until the pandemic hit. So for me, you know, I, I mean, I don't wish the pandemic on us in any way, shape, or form, but it was a break that I needed. And at first I resisted taking. I almost, well, I tried my my friend Sarah, who I mentioned that I was co-creating with back in LA. We were still co- we have been co-creating. And we were like, oh, good. This is our opportunity to get things online and just, you know, take, you know, record some videos and just teach online. Great. It'll, it'll be awesome. And for two weeks, we did it for two weeks and I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I was so resentful. I, I didn't know the word at the time, but I was just like, I can't do this. And finally I admitted that to her and she said, okay, take a break. Like, you know, she was bummed because she wanted to get this ball rolling that we'd been kind of waiting to get rolling. And I was like, I'll just take two weeks. And she was like, take a month. And I was like, oh my God, that's like excessive. And then a month came and went and I was like, I'm not ready. And then eight months came and went. And I was like, maybe I'm ready. Maybe I'm ready to start working again. And, you know, I've, I've done some things on and off. Um, anyways, well, let's back up a little bit. So in, in when the break, when the pandemic hit, I, and I was taking a break. I, I, because I had been listening to pride for the two years-ish that had been um, playing, playing, you know, on air. (laughs) 
um I was like I mean I already knew I was burnt out I, I knew it I had you know I was like I was hearing interviews and I was like just having epiphany after epiphany with every episode every every interview that I was hearing every story I was hearing I was just feeling like I could resonate with pretty much everyone there was some aspect of their story where I was like wow me too and then I'd be like again and this one too and oh my god like wow this is a big deal and so I knew what to do once the break came and I started um I did the energy leaks class, the boundaries class that Kate offers. And I just started reflecting. I, I just started trying to rest and started reflecting. And it was hard as hell. It was so hard, so hard. I couldn't stop. Even though I didn't have anything I had to do, I couldn't stop moving. And then I was like, I need more help. I need more help. So I um, reached out to a functional medicine doctor near me. And I did some lab testing and found out that I was running on adrenaline and I had no cortisol to help me recover. And that explained why I couldn't stop moving. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't relax. I couldn't sit down and meditate. I couldn't sit down and do breath work because I was, you know. Basically, basically on 18 coffees without drinking a coffee. Right. And I don't drink caffeine because when I, when I drink caffeine or had it for many years, drink caffeine, I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. I hated the feeling of caffeine. I felt so terrible. So this was just like, oh God. All right. Well, I mean, I learned a lot from functional medicine testing. I am so glad to have the insights from the lab work. It helped me feel validated in how burnt out I really was, you know, yeah. and the physiological effect that kind of, I didn't realize was so impactful. You had, you had <laughs> proof. It was like, I had proof. I was like, oh, wow. All right. Well, I really do need to change them, some things and take care of myself and not just work on the emotional stuff. Cause it was mostly the emotional things that I was really feeling um, validated in and sort of like um, mindset, but also like just how I was living, right? Like the boundary issues and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. And one of the things that I want to bring up, uh, mostly because I know you so well. So for people that don't know our history out there in in the world wherever the heck you may be in 81 countries I think we're up to now so I, I really don't know where you are but I do want to invite you into our story a little bit Sarah and I started acupuncture school together in the year 2003 yep in the year 2003 so we've known each other for nearly 20 years now um, and I I know Sarah fairly well, I would say. Sarah has given treatments to most people in my family. And when Sarah was talking earlier about being unable to hold space for patients, I want people to understand how significant a difference that was for who you were, who you are as a practitioner and a healer, and what burnout did to you during that time. My mother literally called Sarah Love personified after having a massage with her. That's what she called her, love personified. So I want you to think about somebody who has this 
really kind of magical ability to hold space for people in a way that they feel loved and seen and validated. And then that same person not being able to do that for people because of burnout. It's sort of heartbreaking to have that and to go and to have such a massive shift in that. It was heartbreaking for me when you said that you were struggling with that because to me, like that's your whole genius. You know, that's your whole, like, that's everything for you. That's how you help people heal. You're incredibly intelligent and you know all of the life coaching tricks. And you know, I mean, I get all of that, but there's something about the way that you in particular hold space for people that is so powerful that it really broke my heart to hear that. So I I want people to understand how significant that is and what a departure that is from your norm. Oh, it broke my heart too. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. It's really hard. And then you said, you know, you had done a lot of, and this is a tendency I think that a lot of healers have, you did a lot of sort of the emotional healing and it took a little while for you to be like, oh shit, I have to do some physical stuff too. So when did that When did you decide like, oh, I can't just work on the boundaries. I actually have to support my physical body. So let's see, like the break started, I think it was April. I don't know if it was the beginning or end of April. And then I I started with a functional medicine doc the beginning of August. Okay. And that was, I think because it was like, yeah, I couldn't. I could just still tell, I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm getting somewhere with the emotional work to some degree. I mean, I was having like realizations and putting pieces together and, and that kind of stuff, but it was like, I was still feeling quite depressed and anxious. And like, I think I was calming down a little bit, like not such that intense running on adrenaline feeling, but it was still like, I was trying to do the tools, you know? sit down and breathe, you know, try to meditate, like, just try to like, calm fuck down. You know, it was like, I couldn't do it, but yet I was depressed and it was confusing to have this combination of being so low and so revved up at the same time. Yeah. I had started taking, um, like the, the calm powder that you take at night for sleep with melatonin. I had started that a couple of years ago because I was having the tired, but wired. Like if I didn't do that, I was spinning in my mind until, you know, early in the morning and not able to sleep. So I had remedied that quote unquote, by just going like, I am going to sleep and I will make sure I sleep because I knew that was important, but it like, you know, I needed help in order to sleep. There was no way I was doing it on my, on my own. So that's what sent me to the functional medicine doctor. And just one thing I want to point out here, because, um, I've been working with the functional medicine doctor for about a year and a half, and we're almost just in the last six months, maybe figuring out possibly what's going on. So originally she was just like, oh, well, you know, your, your gut isn't quite working right. You know, it's like all the systems were like, let's just tweak them. And so I like did a very clean diet and I was, you know, taking a million supplements and I was trying to do just all the right things. I was trying to eat the right way. I'm taking the right supplements. I'm, I'm filling in the gaps that I'm finding out are missing on all of my labs. And it had been about six months or more. And I was like, 
but I don't feel better. And I was like, you know, I know burnout takes time, but like, is this the pace? Is this the pace? Cause yeah. I'm a little frustrated. Like I feel like nothing's getting better. And I've spent hundreds of dollars, if not thousands on supplements and, and the doctor and whatever. And, um, so she started digging deeper and found more issues. It's sort of like, okay, hold on, let's look a little deeper. And I'm wondering if this is like, there are people that are burnt out that might have other chronic situations. Like I have been told I have, so I have SIRS, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome, which means my body's almost like the, my immune system, my nervous system are like stressed out and there's a lot of inflammation and my body can't control it. And that probably has been smoldering since birth. Yeah. Is, is a part of why I said, I think it started then because it's a, it's a genetic something regulation. I, I don't know the details about that, but it's like something goes awry genetically and then your body can't clear biotoxins like viruses or molds or yeast or, you know, just things normally your body can keep into check. It can't. So like I found out I had mono at some point in my life and looking back, that was probably high school, beginning of college. And my levels were high enough of that virus that my body's been fighting it for 20 plus years. And that takes a toll. Right. So like when I first learned I was burnt out, I was just like, I was so hard on myself because I've been trying to do it all right. And I've been focusing on health. Mm -hmm. I was 19 years old and I was about 40 at that time. And I was like 20 years, I've been consciously trying to do it right and stay well and lead by example and walk my talk. And here I am burnt to a crisp. And the hard part about it, you know, that's just hard to kind of swallow, but then learning like, oh, you've got this chronic thing and it's genetic and maybe you have it forever. It's like, partially that sucks to hear, but also it's kind of validating to be like, oh, I kind of, there's nothing I could have done. And I probably did save myself. I would have felt a lot terrible, more terrible earlier in my life. If I didn't, if I hadn't been taking such good care of myself over those 20 years. So anyway, I just want to point that out because folks that, you know, there might be something deeper going on that you just couldn't even imagine is, and that's a part of the burnout. Yeah. It isn't just boundaries. It's not, you know, it's like exactly. a, a deeper physiological thing. So, yeah. And this is why we always want you before you come to us, right in the questionnaire, when you're, if you're signing up for a call with Sarah, if you're signing up for a call with me, the first question is, have you seen your doctor? Have you done your blood work? This is the first question. And it's the first question for a reason. I very strongly believe in the work that we do. I know how much of a difference it makes in people's lives because people tell me every day. I know how powerful it is. I also know that I'm not going to boundary you into not having SIRS. And I think this is something that, um, I think this is something that makes our work unique, that we're not afraid to refer out. We have people to send you to. We have colleagues that we know that are good at this stuff that we can recommend. We have people that work out of state. We have we have these other skills and tools that we can recommend to you when and if necessary so that you don't get stuck on the burnout in the burnout cycle. Like I got stuck in the burnout cycle and it took me having I had a coach, I had a therapist, I had a functional medicine doctor and a nutritionist at different points. Sometimes, actually, at one point, I think I had all four of them at the same time for a short period. And I know that that's a 
that comes from a place of privilege, being able to do all of those things. And at the time, I, I didn't feel that so much because I was literally spending all of my money on it. Right. And all of it. it and it was like worth it. Thank, like, effort. thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel like a last ditch effort, but like, thank God I had the ability to do that because I needed all of those people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of coaches out there, especially burnout coaches now that are saying, well, I helped myself through it and I want you to have an easier time than me. So I'm going to help you so that you go through it faster. And while I, I would love for you to go through it faster than I did, I'm not here and Sarah's not here either to tell you, we did this by ourselves, so it's going to be easier for you. No, neither of us did it by ourselves. We both needed help to get through this process. And that's normal. We just want to be that help because right. we know exactly how you feel because we know exactly what you're going through. So it I know that- Validated. It feels yes. good to like- talk to someone who understands because there's definitely people where I, that I've said like I'm in burnout recovery and they're just like what? who isn't burnt out like yeah. I mean especially as that word's getting thrown around more and more it's like oh my god I'm so burnt out and you're like well I don't know if you really know what you're saying right now but yeah. maybe but I also don't want to invalidate you like I don't know fully what's going on yeah so one of the other things I want to point out that was interesting to me, because this is the way my brain works, um, is that I have realized that kind of chicken or the egg, a lot of the emotional things that I've worked through have shown, have manifested physically or vice versa, considering, like I said, I don't know if this SERS thing has been forever, but let me back up a little bit. Yeah. As Katie's talked about, it's okay if I call you Katie. I yes. call, I've called you Katie forever, but nobody calls you Katie anymore. Well, that's fine. You can still call me Katie. <laughs> it's going to slip out. Um, so right, Katie's talked about how in Jenny's medicine, all things are related, right? It's like, for example, like your liver is associated with anger and frustration and also your immune system and also your menstruation, like, like every, the way Chinese medicine looks at the body is that it's very holistic. Every, you know, your organs are your emotions, are your physical tissues. And it's like, you kind of can't separate them. You can't when you're really truly looking at the body holistically. So a lot of things I've realized, like once I got all the details from the functional medicine testing was that like, um, there were a few things that i wouldn't have known if I didn't, because like I could diagnose myself Chinese medicine wise, but I did learn some things from the functional medicine testing that I never would have known based on Chinese medicine diagnosis. Right. That being said, I realized like my biggest issues have been with my gut, uh -huh. which in Chinese medicine is spleen and stomach and all about nurturing and nourishment, whether that's coming from food or an emotional source or education or, or education just connection like digesting yeah you know taking in the goodness basically receiving the goodness from whatever it is you're taking in in life and I have had difficulty receiving my whole life and my gut was doing is the same thing like I she was saying I know you're eating good food but you don't you're you're not digesting you're not actually absorbing and breaking down proteins and fats so you're not receiving the nourishment. And I was like, I'm not that surprised because receiving is always hard for me. I'm a giver. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a total giver. 
that is my passion. But guess what? <laughs> if you don't givers got givers got to take. Givers got to take. So I was just like, right, okay. Makes sense. Also, my immune system, my immune system has been challenged this whole time. What do you what do we think of as your immune that your immune system does? It's protection. Yeah. Protection is what? Boundaries. It's your yeah. literal boundaries of your mucous membranes. It's the boundaries of like, you know, the fighters that the boundaries that the fighters in your blood maintain, protect, you know, maintain. And I was like, right. So like I've just really been able to put all the pieces together that all the emotional things have manifested physically or all the physical things have manifested emotionally yeah. and they are one in the same. And I see how my physical body shifts as I work through and process through the emotional things. And I've seen that in my patients too. A lot of times people will have chronic pain and until, and like, it'll go away temporarily with acupuncture and or massage, but it isn't until we inquire about the emotions relevant to the channels and tissues that are inflamed and in pain, that the pain doesn't go away long-term. Have yeah. you experienced this? Yeah, yeah. And the, well, and this is why I focus on resentment so much because in burnout, so one of the, the top symptoms out of two and a half years of gathering health intakes. So I have like hundreds of them now. The top symptom is neck and shoulder tension. And neck and shoulder tension is related to the liver and gallbladder meridians. And the liver and gallbladder are responsible for the anger group of emotions. So anger, irritation, frustration, resentment. And we don't learn how to process these well. And you cannot release the tension from your neck and shoulders long-term when you're resentful, when you're constantly irritated, when you're frustrated, and when you're angry. So because this is one of the big symptoms, that's one of the reasons that that's one of my big messages. Because I know that if we can get your body a little bit more flexible, if we can move some of that stiffness, your emotions become more agile as well. When your emotions become more agile, your bandwidth increases. When your bandwidth increases, you're more resilient all because we taught you about resentment, one thing at a time. Right. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Once it all comes together, we don't always talk about that on the show because this is not a show about Chinese medicine, but there are so many connections. Like this idea about the spleen and stomach and being responsible for nourishment and our ability to receive and then take the goodness from what we receive and incorporate it into ourselves. That's the whole system, right? This is why, you know, just recently it was, uh, we're, we're recording this in midway through December. So this we're recording about a month before it releases, but just a few weeks ago, it was Thanksgiving in the United States and everybody's talking about how you should be grateful for things. And I posted a post based on the Huberman Lab podcast that said, you know, it's actually more beneficial for you on a physiological level to accept gratitude than others than it is to give it. Better for you to take in gratitude than to give. I'm not saying don't give gratitude. Absolutely give it because other people need it. It's fuel and food for us, for our brains, for our nervous systems. Right? But it's not just about taking it in either. It's about taking it in and then using it, feeling it, having it, 
and celebrating the fact that you took that in. Now, when I get podcast reviews, hint, 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 when I get podcast reviews now, I really take the time to read them and feel them. When somebody writes me a DM and says, this podcast is changing my life, I stop and I feel that in my body because I know that that's food for my soul. Yeah. I'm not good at receiving that. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. It's hard. It is hard. And this podcast did change my life. Isn't that so fun? (laughs) I've said this. I've told Katie many times. Yes. Like, I don't think there's any one thing that has changed my life more than like hearing these stories and listening to this podcast and giving myself space to take the information and like apply it. So I guess I have received it and used it. Right. But praise and gratitude, even I felt like for a long time, I was living off of praise and gratitude and like just the relief on people's faces and in their bodies when they would leave my treatments. I don't know how much I took it really in. I didn't take credit for it. I didn't like receive it in my soul. I would be like, it would make me happy. Yeah. And now I realize like, oh, that was a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I'm going to, that's, I'm, I'm going to do it differently moving forward. Well, and there's always something to practice, isn't there? I mean, it doesn't end. Yes, for sure. There's always something to practice. So you went through, you were probably burned out, like you said, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you went through a bunch of ups and downs. You you created some coping mechanisms to help yourself. You took a melatonin mix at night so that you would sleep and you changed and adjusted your working hours and your schedule and into people that you saw and the way you were working a few different times to see if you could adjust it to you. You realized, got the break of the pandemic, realized that there was some physical things that could be handled. So you're doing the functional medicine and I know because we all know that recovery is really such an up and down process, but where do you feel like you are now? It's been a couple of years, right? Like it took me two full years to recover and I'm not afraid of burnout anymore, but that doesn't mean I don't have a, have to pay attention to it. I feel like burnout recovery is, is much like addiction recovery. Once you're in recovery, you're sort of always in recovery. You have to pay attention because there are some from birth things that you carry with you that are your natural tendencies that you kind of have to buffer a little bit for yourself to keep yourself safe. So yeah, where is it now? Good question. I I mean, I don't know what fully recovered feels like, so it's hard <laughs> to gauge, <laughs> you know, where I am on that spectrum. Um, uh, the, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm doing much better. I'll just say yeah. I'm doing much better. And I tend to be able to recognize that in hearing, um, listening to people in the community, the Facebook community and people in the office hours, Zoom calls that are just like realizing they're burnt out or just like they're taking a break for themselves and them talking about how they feel and what they're going through. That's how I know, oh, I do remember when I felt like that and I don't feel like that anymore. So that helps me realize that I'm doing much better, even though I don't always feel amazing, you know? So yes. The perspective, although I don't want anybody to feel burnt out and terrible, 
it it gives me some perspective to know. Yeah, you know, I I still feel like shit sometimes, but I don't attribute it to burnout anymore. I just feel like this whole process of recovering from burnout and getting to where I am now has made me realize that some days are just shitty days and that that's fine. Like, right, I think that's a different place. And I, you know, I I think I have felt like I'm recovered enough to move forward, right? I'm yeah. like, I've yeah. like tried, you know, done some work doing this, tried on this, tried on that, trying to figure out like, what am I going to do with myself moving forward? Yeah. And um, recently, a couple months ago, I was like, I'm going to do this business coaching program that's also kind of helps you to be a life coach. And I, that was, I, I was, I was like two months in. And I was feeling fried again. Yeah. And I realized how much um, there was no pressure to get a certain amount of things done or like accomplish. There were no deadlines or there wasn't like assignments, specific assignments. It was up to me to decide how much work I wanted to put into what I was creating at the time. And there was my old self rearing its ugly head. It was like, it's all or nothing. You're going to get it all done as fast as possible, you know, as much as possible, especially being that I didn't have, like, I could make my own schedule, which is sometimes the worst thing ever. (laughs) I was like, I'm doing this to myself. I had to realize I'm the one who's pushing myself to the point of feeling fried. No one else is doing it. Yeah. So that was a, that was like a heads up. Cause I haven't given myself tasks for a long time since I haven't been working. So it was like, once I was like, Oh, I want to accomplish this thing. I went straight back into my old way. It's kind of like how you were saying, yeah. I haven't applied this to school Yes. for your semester. So you had to relearn I had to, or I had to apply your new tools to a new, you know, your new old practice of going to school and being a student. Yes. That was such a harsh realization for me this past fall, realizing that um, just because I've done the burnout work for my job doesn't mean I've done it for my whole life. And I started school and I was like, oh shit, here I go again. I'm doing too much. I'm trying too hard. I'm putting in too much effort. I need to slow the F down. Like I got a 98 in my art class. I'm not an artist, everybody out there, just so you know, I am not artistically inclined. And I, but I put so much pressure on myself to perform in a class that I have to take for the degree, but not because it's related to my degree, just because I was missing some gen eds from, from BU back in the day. So I'm, this is a gen ed. Like, I don't need to prove myself here. And I still ended up with a 98 because I was like, well, must do this well. Like, relax. It's an art class. You're nearly 40. It's not a big deal. But you get stuck in those rhythms. And I think one of the other things that happened with that coaching is that you were sort of told to not use your biggest skills. So as a highly sensitive person and an empath, you were sort of told to not use that. And so can we talk about that a little bit? Right, right. The, the coach I was working with was telling me that empathy was the worst possible thing I could use as a coach. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> Explain this to me. Explain where you're coming from. Because although I know that um, my empathy 
got really hard is when I was working with the veterans towards the end, I was like, okay, I know that that was hard. And maybe that I wasn't, I didn't have the best boundaries or like, you know, there was something was missing that made the empathy feel like it was a curse at that time. I was just like, oh dear God, I cannot possibly feel any more of this person's trauma or like, you know, my, yeah. my reactions to their trauma. And it was just very intense, but yeah, this new coach was, convincing me not to use my empathy and that was I was trying that on because I was like okay um all right but ultimately it didn't go well and I decided to stop working with her and then she thanked me for teaching her to be tender and I don't know if she realized that tenderness is a part of empathy but I still chuckle to myself about that <laughs> yeah oh boy um, yeah, I mean, Brene Brown's work or data, a couple years ago, she put out a little video that was talking about how the most compassionate people that she knows are the most boundaried. Yeah. Say that again. The most compassionate people are the most boundaried. Did everybody just hear that being empathetic and being compassionate does not mean losing yourself. It does not mean abandoning yourself in order to do it and to do it well, you need to be well boundaried. And when I saw that video, it was actually, I remember, I remember very clearly because it was like, I got hit over the head. You know, it's like a few minute video. And at the time I had just moved back to Minnesota. I was coming out, you know, out of that relationship that was really hard, but I was still kind of in contact with him, but I was falling in love with my other kind of close best friend. And I was like, and she's not boundaried. And I heard this and, and, and Brene says, boundaries are what are okay and not okay for you. And I, that was like the simplest thing I had ever heard. And I was like, there's a lot of things that are not okay for me that I am not speaking up about or that I have not set boundaries around. And I, well, the funny, I, I actually was helping a friend with this first and then it dawned on me. Like I helped her and then I was like, oh, what about me? Of course, I had to like teach it to my friend and help her apply it. And then I was like, oh, me too, okay. So like it was, it was life-changing at that time to hear that and give myself permission to even acknowledge that I was experiencing things in my life that were not okay. And that I was able to identify them and speak them and say no. So I ended up cutting this person who I thought I was falling in love with out of my life because I was like, this isn't good for me. And I ended up coming, cutting my ex out of my life, took still some time. But it was like a year or two later that I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. Like revolutionary. Yeah. So empathy with boundaries equals compassion and is the only way to make being empathetic sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why we're so excited to have Sarah on board. Because for all of you out there who 
recognize yourself as HSP, as a highly sensitive person, or as an empath who is struggling with burnout, but you don't want to turn yourself into someone who feels selfish and separated from people. Sarah's your coach. This is what she's here for. She's here for you because so many of you have spent time in the Facebook group and have talked about these things. And I am HSP, but that's not the way I work as a coach. And Sarah is so skilled at this for <laughs> because she's done all the damn work. And that's why we're so excited for you to be here, Sarah. I'm so excited for people to have access to you and to be able to heal from burnout in a way that is probably a little softer than what I do. Like I'm, I, if I see something, one of the things that people thank me for the most after we finish coaching is, thank you for holding up a mirror and showing me my own bullshit. I'm the person that will call you out. I will do it lovingly. I'm, I'm not here to hurt you, but I am the person who will call you out. That's not how Sarah works. So if you've been listening for a while and you're like, oh, I need help, but Kate is not my person. That's okay. We have another person now. It's me. <laughs> who might just be your person. I am not um, precious about how I help people or who I help. I know what my value is and I know who I am for. I also know who I'm not for. And so I'm thrilled to be creating more space for people who might need something that's a little different from, from me. And I'm glad to have that lesson from acupuncture world as well. Like in acupuncture, it's really, it was always really simple to me to be like, oh, you're not my patient. You really belong to this other person. And not, there's not any sense of like or dislike with people. It's just, there's got to be a match. You got to vibe with people. You got to vibe with people. And you know, what's interesting. You know, Katie and I have been friends since the moment I was sitting on the curb. I, remember, <laughs> I will never forget this. I was sitting on the curb behind our school, taking a break. And Katie walked up to me and she was like, we're going to be friends. <laughs> and oh, I was like, I, what I said was, you look like somebody I would be friends with. There we go. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> That was amazing. So that tells you kind of a little bit about Sarah and I. I am the more outspoken one, the more direct one. And Sarah was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Let's do this. Right. And, and as much as we've been good friends for all these years, Katie can't really be my coach. I've learned no. so much through the podcast and through the tools that she's created and offered. And it has been amazing. But Katie's approach is too harsh for me. Yeah. I cannot have my bullshit called out. I will lose it. It feels like an attack. Yeah. We've had to work our, through it in our friendship. Yeah. And doing that has been worthwhile. Um, but, you know, I need someone to be gentle with me. Yeah. I need someone to be able to see me and tell me they understand me and show me that they understand me and like lead me to where I need to go in yeah. a very gentle manner, which is that why that's how I work because that's yeah. what works for me. Yeah. Sorry. My kitty cat is purring and sometimes meowing. So if you hear that's, that, it's <laughs> just bonus love. Coming it through. is bonus love. Kitty purrs are the best according to me. <laughs> 
anyways, yeah. And I do remember um, when I, I first heard someone talking about being a highly sensitive person, it was a friend of mine who I knew from the acro yoga community and he was talking about it and I was like, oh, I need to, I need to look into this. And I, I took the quiz. Do you remember the author's name? Yes. Dr. Elaine Aaron, A-R-O-N. Yeah. So if anybody isn't quite sure, but curious, check out um, her website, which I think is highly sensitive. It's hsperson.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Great. Do the quiz because it is, I found it anyway, very validating. I didn't know I was a sensitive person. I didn't know. I thought everybody was like me. Turns out that's not true. So in taking the quiz and finding this out and reading the book, it was so enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> so enlightening and so validating. I have given myself a lot of a lot more permission to take the time I need to make decisions and to process experiences and process my emotions and say no to things I think I should do because I know it's going to be too intense for me or like say no to a sporting event or say, say no to a big, you know, an event with lots of people in chaos because I'm either like, I just can't handle that right now. Or like, I'm feeling a little low. And I know that that would be, that would push my nervous system over the edge. And that's crucial to know when you're burnt out and going through burnout recovery, how to respect your nervous system's sensitivity. Cause it's not, it's something you can work with for sure, but it's like learning how you're wired and how that's actually a useful wiring and yeah. different from the masses for good reason. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever talked about this actually, but like all mammals and animals and humans have 20% of their species that are highly sensitive and this is meant to be important and evolutionary for the group the sensitive animals i think it's kind of easier to think about it this way since we don't really apply it in our human culture but like the way she described it in the book is like the sensitive animals in the herd or the group or whatever they can tell when the grass isn't as nutritious and it's time to move on and find different grasses or food in whatever way to eat, to keep the group healthy. They're the ones who can hear, you know, the danger sounds and alert the group, the group to move or freeze or whatever those animals do to stay safe. And we do not utilize humans. Well, we're the burnout animals right now. We're like, burnout is coming, burnout is coming. True. We're doing that now, but like, you know, I think if, if like, if we didn't have such a strong burnout culture, that's created by the 80% yeah. of non-sensitive people, yeah, <laughs> the highly sensitive people wouldn't be so fried and unable to do their job of being like the sensitive barometer for the rest of the folks to be like, Hey, it's time to do it a little differently now. Yeah. We lead by example, like can us sensitive folks lead by example? Yeah and point you in the direction of what's going to be good for all of us. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is on the, um, on the HSP quiz, there's 25 questions. I scored a 23 out of 25. I'm extremely sensitive, but I don't take people's words personally. And I, this is the difference. This is, this is a big, big difference about my sensitivities are 
um, temperature number of people, I don't do well with big crowds, and noise levels, and a softness slash comfort of clothing items, things like that. So my sensitivities are really about how my physical body is, is existing in space. My emotional sensitivities are less so. And I still scored 23 out of 25 on the quiz. So it's easier for me to be more direct with people because that's not the sensitivity that I feel. Right. Isn't that wild? It is interesting. It shows up differently for yeah. different people. And that's probably a good thing is amongst the highly sensitive, we can't all be sensitive to the same, the same thing. thing. Or, you know, we can't properly kind of pick up all the informa information we need to, to guide the group to safety. To we're, we're guiding you to safety. To safety and like more nutritious food I mean you know yeah. at least that's that's how the animal it was described for the animals and I really that, I don't know that just really struck me as like wow imagine what hap what would happen if the highly sensitive folks were first leading of all, the charge knowing that they are and how to manage their nervous system in a way that becomes really like useful to them and the world yeah and we just we could do what we're meant to do for the human race yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that would change the world so let's do it is everybody yeah, ready about that i'm ready <laughs> so listen up everybody as of now as of today you can book an initial call with sarah we will put that link in the show notes and you will be able to the same way that i do a 35 minute chat with people who are trying to figure out if I'm the right coach for them. We do a 35 minute chat, we talk, we figure out if it's right, if it is, we explain to you how we work, the pricing structure and all of that. And so the same way you do that with me, you'll be able to do it with Sarah as of now, as of today. So I want you to take advantage of that and I want you to share this with your friends and make sure that they know that we're here at Fried, and we're trying to have the right thing for everybody. And for those of you who are saying, you know, I would love to work with someone like Sarah, but one-on-one -on -one coaching is outside of my price range. Please know that Sarah also hangs out in our Facebook group and answers questions fairly regularly. And she often hangs out on our Tuesday calls, um, our free office hours, which are available to everyone who is on my email list. So if you're not on my email list yet, if you're not on there yet, get on there so that you can get your invites so that you can show up and ask the questions that you need to ask in the places you need to ask them. So as much as we understand that one-on-one -on -one coaching is a significant investment, we also know that we're creating resources for you that are outside of that investment that can still get you the help that you need. So invitations to all of the above available to you. Everything will, as per usual, be in the show notes. Sarah, do you have anything that you want to say before we wind into our finish? Hmm. I am so grateful to Katie. And this is a big deal because I could not feel grateful for years. Mm. <laughs> I could not muster gratitude 
literally for anything for a long time. And so this also tells me that I've, I've, I've come farther than I sometimes recognize. I'm so grateful for Katie, for our friendship, but also for her passion and determination to get this information out to all of us, to end burnout culture, and to know that we can recover from burnout and we can do it as a community. We don't have to do it alone because I'm one of those people. Her book is beneficial to me. Her tools have been beneficial to me. The community on Zoom and Facebook has been so beneficial to me. It has been, like I said earlier, a literally a lifesaver. And I'm not being like, I have people throw like, oh my God, this is life-saving around, but truly, truly life-saving. So it, I'm so honored to be able to now take this, these tools in this community or like, and the resources and that I've personally utilized and help folks recover from this thing that is so devastating, that doesn't have to haunt us and plague us forever. Like, I, I just love feeling like there's hope because I didn't have hope either for quite some time. The despair was real. <laughs> like, whew. so um, I'm honored to be here and I'm super excited to join Katie on the mission to end burnout culture and feel like the ball is rolling in that direction. And there really is change that we can all create together because giving giving yourself permission to heal giving yourself space to heal just acknowledging that you need to heal even that first step that gives other people permission to heal and it's just it creates like a a, a healing resonance that radiates out like we think of love rating out and i think it is just love in another called something different and like <laughs> I think it's funny that I'm saying this because this this also means I'm coming back because I feel like love again. I feel like <laughs> myself again. And so I'm I'm happy to help. So if anybody um yeah wants to set up a call, I am ready for you, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hold your hand through the process. Amen to that. All right, everybody, following this up, normally this week would have been a hashtag straight from Kate episode, but I did not want to wait another minute to introduce you to Sarah. So we are tacking on a very short three minute straight from Kate episode just after this. So stay tuned because you're not quite done. And this might give you just the permission that you need to just keep on keeping on, no matter how you're feeling halfway through the first month of the year. Um, so stay tuned for that. And otherwise, we will see you in office hours in the Facebook group and on our personal Zooms. Until next time. Hey, Fried Fam. We are halfway through the first month of the year. And I want to tell you something really, really important about that. It's okay to be totally sucking at your burnout recovery right now. We all suck at burnout recovery sometimes because there are ups and there are downs and the journey is far from linear. And sometimes you make the same damn mistake all over again 
even though technically you already quote-unquote know better. You probably started off the year a couple of weeks ago with some lofty ideas about how you were going to really get it this time, and I'm here to tell you it's okay if you already failed. The burnout healing journey is not linear, and as your energy improves, you'll have days where you still push it too much. That's okay. That's how you find your edges. It's impossible to know where those edges are without actually looking for them and feeling them. Burnout recovery is a process of getting to know yourself again, or for the first time for some of us. It's learning the signals that let you know when you're approaching the edge, the signals for when you're leaning over the edge, and yeah, the signals for when you're free-falling too. And you're going to fall, because you're human. Some days, you'll feel like you're on top of the world and everything will go right, and other days will be just the opposite. If you allow it, your burnout recovery journey could be the most interesting, introspective journey you ever take in your entire life. Burnout recovery is an absolute chance to know yourself intimately, to rebuild trust in your ability to communicate between your mind and your body and to figure out how you can show up on a day-to-day basis that honors who you are, what you came here for, and what kind of energy you have to do all of that today. So for this really short episode in the beginning of this new year, this is my ask of you. Give yourself grace. Remember your humanity. Understand on a deep level that you deserve your own compassion. And trust, please trust, that even on the bad days, you're still healing. Welcome to another year, Fried Fam.